Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today, our subject is evil is never satisfied. As a Christian, there comes a point of satisfaction in your life, but evil is never satisfied. It wants more and more and more. Boy, are we seeing that around us today in the evil that's happening in this world. Let's go to the Word of God today and find out God's answer toward evil. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I am glad to have you here today. And if this is your first day to watch the broadcast, great. Thanks for being here. If it's your second or third, thanks for coming back. If it's your 10th or 20th, well, thank you for getting stuck on the broadcast. Glad that you're here. And I do have a dedicated following. I'm glad I do because these people are dedicated to the Word of God. And by listening to this every day, in fact, you know, I'm on YouTube. And so if you're watching on YouTube, well, welcome here. But there are episodes from back a long way back that I think if you just listen to each one of them one a day, you're going to be tremendously blessed by it. It's one of those things in your car, if you can listen to it that it tremendously helps you to understand the Word of God and takes that dead time. You normally go to the office and back or wherever you go to go to work. Well, it just takes that dead time and turns it into highly productive time. I'm a whole lot better than classic rock or country music or, you know, the uh, news broadcasts on the news stations, okay? I'm better than that. And the Word of God is better than that. So instead of getting so caught up in that thing that never changes every day, same thing over and over again. New songs, no, it's the same songs over and over again. And uh, the same way with the news, they start out the head of the news with something and the rest of the broadcast is really just kind of amplifying that. So let's get to the Word of God today. And again, we're glad to have you today. Uh, what I'm offering for this particular broadcast is my book on the book of Proverbs, but we're going to be taking a section in the beginning from the book of Acts. If you do not have my book on the book of Acts, please, when you order this book, or if you've already got my book on Proverbs, but you don't have the book on Acts, would you please order it? These two chapters, Acts chapter 19 and chapter 20, is really the anatomy of revival. What causes revival? The opposition that comes against uh, revival and how God handles the opposition tremendous, but it really teaches us about the human spirit of man that is not born again. Now, he can be born again and, and still get involved in a lot of this stuff if he becomes carnal. But Demetrius was the head of a silver union in Ephesus. And when Paul came along, and great numbers of people were being saved in Ephesus. People were turning from Diana, which is the major religion of the city and of that country, in fact. And uh, she was the main one that they worshiped. And so in so doing, people were turning from Diana, following Jesus, and they weren't selling silver statues of her anymore. And it finally got the point, they must have been sitting on the shelf collecting dust. And this great union, this great, I mean, all the way from the guys that dug the silver out of the ground to those that melted it, smelted it, the ones that, you know, fashioned it and then sent it out to the distributors and put it in warehouses, then took it to the stores and little stores, big stores, major stores, you know, uh, filling stations. I don't know what they have. But anyway, everywhere you went, there were silver statues of Diana for the great numbers of people that visited there. And so their sales had gone down tremendously. So he went after uh, Paul and his team. And this is how he did it. Typical of the world. So let's start with verse 28, Acts 19, verse 28 and 29. When they heard this, this was the crowds in the street that was being told them by Demetrius and the leaders of this union. These men have come here to turn us away from our great goddess that we know came from heaven. And she came down here and started this temple and that they're trying to get us to turn from this. And of course, Paul never even mentioned Diana, never preached against her one time. He only preached for Jesus. 
And so again, when they heard this, that's the crowd, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. There is a clue to what riots are like. The whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius, Aristarchus, Macedonicus, Paul's travel companions. So these men that they seized, they brought them in and they're putting the blame on them. They got to have someone to put the blame on. And that's what a riot does. Look at verse 32. Some therefore cried one thing and some another for the assembly was confused. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Welcome to a riot. Many of the people there have no idea why they're there. They're just yelling. I imagine they're running down the streets and they're yelling, great is Diana, the Ephesians. And so one guy turns to the other and says, what are we doing? He says, I don't know. They hired me to be here. They're paying me to run down the street with this mob. But what are we crying about? I don't know. Just keep yelling. So they kept yelling, great is Diane, the Ephesians. And verse 33, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Of course, this is what happened at that time. Usually riots are filled with confusion, just like this, usually resulting in destruction and killing and looting and robbing. And this is what happened in the case. We see it today. We see it happening in major cities across the United States and around the world because there is evil in the world and evil always is out to confuse and this is what it does. The organizers of these uh, events are always usually up in some penthouse somewhere watching what's going down the street. They never participate in it. The people and the riot becomes their weapon. And they stand up there and watch this weapon go through the streets. Some they paid, some they haven't, but they want the pandemonium. They want the intensity. And they also want the confusion around it because they don't like to be pinned down and ask exact questions because they know they don't have exact answers for exact questions. So they're in the penthouse watching all this going on down there, and they're probably just laughing and rubbing their hands together. We're going to get rid of this, Paul, and the whole team that's going to be there. This was a minor and a momentary setback for it. But right after this, Paul's going to leave the area because basically the revival itself is over as far as winning souls. The second part of revival is local churches. And during the three years this revival has been going on, Paul brings it out in the next chapter, chapter 20, when he talks to the pastors, he reflects back on it. And the second part of this was local churches were being established at the time. And so the churches were growing. And so Paul's part, as far as just winning souls, was over. That was now turned over to the multitudes of people that were saved. And the church began to grow. And well, later on, that church ended up being a church of over 100,000 people that attended the church. And so it was met at homes all across the city. And so eventually the riot was, was squelched. The riot came down and then the people dispersed. But the, re, but the revival kept on going as far as the building of local churches, the setting up of pastors and people going to church and, and Ephesus become one of the major churches of the ancient world starting out of this revival. So again, most that come to a riot like this are paid, not knowing why they're there. Uh, we have it. Uh, one time I was in Kiev uh, with Rick Renner and, and there was a riot going on down the street and he just stopped and pointed out and said, most of those guys don't even know why they're here. And the next thing is most of them are paid to be here by the unions. This is exactly what happened here in this. I thought immediately of this particular story here in, in the uh, book of Acts. Rioters and looters are the weapons again that leadership uses. Riots and rebellions are results of self-centeredness. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through nine says this, know that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, 
unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. This part right here, this one phrase speaks to believers. And we find out believers can be just as deceived as the rest of the world. But notice this, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into houses. These are churches and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge. That's the full knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. Look at verse 13. We'll end on this particular verse here. But evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're getting away from this particular thing, but I want you to notice how that they describe the end times we're living in today. And boy, is this happening. In the in the last days, men will be lovers of self. All those sins that are listed there all revolve around one thing, and that is loving yourself. It all comes down to this whole thing of I'm the king of everything. I'm the wisest of all. I'm the greatest of all, and that's how evil people think. You see, you have to be born again to understand this, and that is that that God has placed you in a place where if you are number one or not number one, you are right where God wants you to be. And happiness does not come from getting your lusts. Happiness comes by being fulfilled with where you are. And so this is how Christianity is. You know, one of the major things in Christianity is just learning to accept where you are, finding out and knowing that you have peace on the inside, you're doing what God asks you to do, and understand this, the most important important thing in life is not money, higher position, more control. The most important thing in life is being content right where you are. Contentment brings long life, low blood pressure. I mean, there's a whole lot of things attached to just being contented where you are in life. My son told me one day he had pastored for some eight years after I stepped down from the church. He stepped down from the church and I wondered why, but he told me in the end, he said, dad, he said, I found out something. I'm a number two man. He said, I was most at happy and most happy working under the youth department, under the Christian school when I taught there, under the uh, outreach department, missions department, dad working under you. He said, now that I pastored these eight years, he said, you know what? I want to be a number two man. I will be very happy being an associate pastor. And you know what? He's an associate pastor today. I'm proud of it. It took a real strong person to admit I'm a number two person. But we live in a self-centered generation. I want to take a look at Proverbs chapter 30. And let's talk about the generation we live in. And this is it. It's described so well here in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 through 17. With all the things we have going on around today, the Bible just pinpoints it, whether it's back there in Ephesus or whether it's in the verse of scripture we just looked at in 2 Timothy, we come across the same thing here in the book of Proverbs, that self-centeredness is the key to finding out the things that are wrong in our generation. We have young people, we have middle-aged people, we have older people that are constantly looking at life and they are self-centered and all they want is more control, more control, more control. The name of this broadcast is that evil is never satisfied. And that's exactly it. When a person starts to get this out of a corrupt attitude or just a desire for more power, they never have enough. Satan has been working with his leadership in government since the fall of the Tower of Babel. 
And when the Tower of Babel fell, God destroyed it, brought it down. Satan began to go behind the scenes, working with governments and decided this time, instead of one place and a few nations working together, I'm going to get every nation working together. And of course, the Bible prophesied this. Well, here it is, it is interesting. Satan is doing all these plans and God just laid the whole thing out in the Bible, what he's thinking, what he's going to do. And it's even laid out in the Bible how God's going to destroy him and destroy this centralized world government we're going to have that has set itself against God set itself to follow Satan, set itself to destroy Christians and destroy the nation of Israel, take over Jerusalem, sit on the throne in Jerusalem with a false Christ called Antichrist. And this is Satan's goal. Once he does that and Christianity is gone, the Jews are gone, then God cannot keep his word. And if he sits at the seat, with his antichrist in the very seat that Jesus Christ is supposed to sit in, Jesus has no place to come back to. God is declared to be a liar and Satan say, Satan can say in that day, I am now the Lord of this entire planet and have it from that time on, but he will not succeed. We're told in the word of God that it will not succeed. Old Testament books, New Testament books, especially Matthew 24 and 25, bring it right down to the end that Jesus Christ will win this battle and win it decisively. Uh, so when we come back, we're gonna take up in Proverbs chapter 30. You can find it right now. You can find out also how you can have a copy of my book on the book of Proverbs and to find out the wisdom from Proverbs that still applies today. What Solomon wrote down, tremendous wisdom can be applied today against the evil we have around us and we can be winners every single day. See you right after halftime. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. Attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Andian discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by His Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bobby Indian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobbyendian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Welcome back. While you're finding Proverbs chapter 30, let me just thank you who support the broadcast. You support it in prayer, but you also support it financially. Thank you so much for taking the word of God and making it the number one thing you do in your life as far as supporting the word of God for for uh, those who get saved and for winning souls, but also to get those who are saved to become disciples filled with the word of God. Jesus said to those who were just saved, John chapter eight, those who just received him as Lord and savior, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So again, if you're not a, uh, if you're not a partner with me as far as giving, then I'd love for you to join me. Just go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. Proverbs chapter 30, let's take a look at verses 11 through 17. And here we have really a discourse in these eight verses on self-centeredness and what causes self-centeredness and the results of self-centeredness. And as we read through this, you're going to see young people today, young people that parents have decided they're gonna go after money, they're gonna go after position, they're gonna go after a place in society. And kids are just thought, well, if they see all these things, they'll want these kind of things. And kids are rebelling against it. And so this is why gangs form because they, the kids need a home, they need a family, they need a mom and dad. And so, you know, one of the greatest organizations as far as size is concerned and evil is La Familia. And that is a Spanish group. And that is, uh, this takes so many young people in and it uh, gets them into crime and gets them into drugs and gets them into prostitution, all these things. But you know what draws them in there? Familia, family. They think this is a family when it's not, they're just being used. But a real family is what the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is about. And so much is said to moms and dads and friends and all the different things that children need. And parents, this book is so important that you read it because your purpose in life is number one, for you to get saved, number two, for you to raise up a generation around you of those who are disciples, but also to get your kids saved and have them raise up a generation after you to where you at the point of death can look at your kids and say, you know what? The legacy still is going on. And the legacy is the most important thing in this earth, knowledge of Jesus Christ, salvation, and the fact they are following him even till this day. Proverbs chapter 30, let's start at verse 11. There is a generation who curses its father and does not bless its mother. This is the root of everything following. Back in Timothy, it said that the root of all that back there was really self-centeredness, evil thinking and magnifying yourself. This is what this is. There's a generation who curses its father and does not bless its mother because fathers weren't fathers and mothers weren't mothers. Biology does not make you a father and biology does not make you a mother. I've seen kids that were raised in homes with mom and dad, they turned out terrible. Not all of them, but some of them. But I've also seen ones that didn't know who their mom or dad was, and they were foster kids and adopted by a Christian family. And those kids have turned out to be great ministers. Not all of them, but again, most of them, because why? A mom and a dad is not biological. Just because you brought a child into this earth does not make you a father or a mother. What makes you a father or mother is love, concern, care, teaching, correcting, uh, molding that child, pulling it back in when it's out of bounds, and even though the kid screams, yells, and all that, you still tell them this is right, and one day you'll understand this. And one day they understand it. Train up a child in the way it should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Doesn't mean along the way they won't rebel, scream a little bit, get off track. But the Bible says there again, to train up a child, train it up in the way it should go. And, you know, again, it didn't say at that point they're doing it. But you keep training and training and training, bringing them back, correcting them in love, 
And one day they're going to see it. It says that when they get older, they will not depart from it. So there is a generation who curses his father and does not bless its mother. We're seeing that today. Despising of parents, despising not only parents, but what parents stand for, and that is authority. Verse 12 goes on to say, a generation who's pure in its own eyes. Oh, eliteness, self-centeredness, pride. They're, they're pure in their own eyes, yet not washed from its own filthiness. They don't see the fact that they're filthy. They think everybody else is filthy and whatever they want to do, it's all right. Verse 13, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. They actually think that if a person is in this earth and poor, they are just pray for them and they can steal from them. They can even kill them here. And it talks about that they use their teeth as swords and they devour people with their words, but also they devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among men. And this is what riots do. They kill people all in the name of common good. We're doing this for our good. And after, after all, all these televisions we're stealing really belong to us in the first place because it's public property. Everything is public property. We're hearing so much today of all these left-wing teaching. We're hearing so much today of all these things being taught to us by liberal thinking, which is against the word of God. And so again, they have no appreciation for what somebody else has worked for, a store that somebody has worked for years to get to this place and opened up the doors and expecting people to come in and purchase these things, working with advertising, working with competition, other places, and to actually have people break through the front window, screaming and yelling that they can take all these things from them. Verse 15 gets into this, and that is the fact that evil is never satisfied. In verse 15, it says the leech has two daughters. What's the name of the two daughters? Give and give. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Two daughters, give and give. So both of them are screaming out, and I think it's interesting here that they're called daughters because they're children. This whole thing started out as children. And now it says a leech has two daughters, give and give. In other words, the leech is evil. And here it has two daughters that are evil. Not all leeches are evil. They can be used for good things, but they suck blood. And so the leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied and four that never say it's enough. Number one is the grave. You know why we keep seeing people get buried. They're always getting buried. And so the grave is never full. There's always a new grave and a new grave a new grave. And it says here, the same thing is with people who never have enough, never have enough money, never have enough uh, riches, never have enough homes, never have enough cars, never have enough in society, always looking for more. Their business can always get larger. And I can tell you this, if they ever conquered the whole world, had the largest company in the world, they still wouldn't be happy. They'd want to start taking over every other business too. Verse 16 says, here's the, the grave. And the second thing is, is the barren womb. A woman who cannot get pregnant is never, ever happy. That's the type of person, maybe she won't adopt a child, but she's got a barren womb and she's mad about it and continually seeking to have a child. The earth that is not satisfied with water. So the earth takes in water. We see the earth suck it down, but you know what? A few days later, we need rain again. And this is just simply showing us things around us out of nature that they're never satisfied. And this is what, again, we have with the people on earth. Those who have rebellious toward family, rebellious toward authority, they're always wanting more and they're never satisfied with what they have. 
It goes on to say here also, uh, and fire that never says it's enough. Fire keeps consuming and consuming and consuming. You never hear fire say, well, we've consumed about, you know, 300 acres. Let's just stop right here. That'll never do that. No, it just keeps on going until there's nothing left. And this is exactly what evil does in this earth. Evil keeps going and going, wanting more and more and more, and never finds a place where it wants to stop. This is what happened when we started out in the book of Acts chapter 19, that this riot kept going on and it wasn't until the authorities came and quoted the law to them that they finally stopped because this thing would have kept going until Paul was hanging from the gallows and his men were hanging from the gallows and God came through at the last minute and saved them all and Paul happened to escape this whole thing and was able to go and then later on come back to the next chapter and meet with the pastors alone in a town called Miletus very close to Ephesus. Verse 17 goes on to say, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedient to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it, that's their eye, out of the young, and the young eagles or the young vultures will then eat it also. It simply goes on to say here, the ravens and the vultures are the one in the one at one in the end that finally went. When all this person is finally dead, the grave claims it. And if they die out somewhere in a wilderness somewhere, the, eagle, the ravens will come and get it and the vultures will eat and take the eyes of it. I can't help but think in Matthew chapter uh, 24, talking about the battle of Armageddon. This is such a perfect type of the battle of Armageddon that whenever all these nations that are conquering the world and wanting to control the entire world backed by major countries like Russia and China, those are the major ones that back these or these uh, uh, nations coming against Israel to destroy it. At the end, they're gonna be destroyed. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 24 that the vultures will be circling over them ready to come and eat all the dead bodies that are down there because it'll be the greatest battle ever ever fought as far as numbers are concerned and it's coming from Satan against God and Satan will be so destroyed and beaten down at that time. The Bible says that the blood will run for 185 miles out of Jerusalem into the streets. And again, for, for that distance up to the horse's bridles. Can you imagine 185 miles of blood up to the horse's bridles? Evil comes from self-centeredness. Evil comes from conceit. Evil comes from arrogance. Evil is based on rebellion toward authority, starting with parents. That any position of authority in, uh, in the law, in school, at work, and finally toward God himself, evil is sat never satisfied. It is insatiable. It cannot be satisfied. Evil has greed which can only be satisfied for a short period of time, then continually wants more. The evil cover their tracks, never accepting responsibility. Look at verse 18 through 20 of that chapter. Here it says, there are three things which are too wonderful or literally beyond me. And yes, four, which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea and the way of a man with a virgin or with a, a young girl. What's this saying? What's the common denominator of an eagle in the air, a serpent on a rock and a ship in the midst of the sea and the way of a man with a, with a woman? Uh, here and again into prostitution or else he's after just after sex. What is the thing? None of them leave a trail. 
An eagle in the air does not leave a trail. A serpent on a rock, you can't find it. And the way of a ship in the midst of the sea might leave a momentary trail, but the waters come back together and the way of a man with a virgin. It goes on to say in verse 20, so also is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats, then wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wickedness. In other words, she covers her tracks. There's no way to really come down and pin it down. This is what evil people do. They want to commit evil, but they want their, co- their tracks covered so no one will find out. Thank God we serve the God that knows exactly what's going on. The entitled and inexperienced also usually become abusive after a while. Look at verse 21. It says, for three things, the earth is perturbed. Yes, the four, it cannot bear up. For a servant, when he reigns, a fool, when he's filled with food, a hateful woman, she is married and a maid servant who succeeds her mistress. This is simply telling us no matter what they get in life, they are never, ever satisfied. They always want more. And this is the way of evil. Thank God for righteousness. Thank God for the new birth. And if you're watching this broadcast and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you have no idea what peace can come into your life. Contentment and satisfaction where you are in life, knowing that life is covered, protected by God in every situation, and you got heaven to go to after this is all over. Verse 17 of that same chapter describes the ultimate culmination of evil during the last days in the end of the tribulation. The eye that mocks his father, and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young vultures or uh, will eventually eat it. This verse is saying the same thing we started with at the beginning of this broadcast is obedient, disobedience to parents can bring a death that is terrible in this life. Following God is the most important thing. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.